hello. 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 How's it going? Good. Pretty good. Super duper. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, here we are again. Here I feel we like are. we're finally back in practice. I know. We didn't skip a week. It's been only a week. <laughs> yeah. We're here. This is great. We're back in the flow. Let's do it. <laughs> um, okay, hello and welcome to episode 53 of We Watch Movies and Then Talk About Them. The only podcast on the internet where we watch a movie and then talk about it. There may be others where other people watch movies and then talk about them, but this is the only one where we do it. My name is Andrew Westensko. I am the host of this year podcast, joined at my right hand in life and in all things by Becca. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Great. Yeah. To Becca's right and to my eventual left due to the uh, newly ovular nature of our table is Sid. Hello. She saluted, but you guys couldn't see it. She's really in the spirit of things today. <laughs> Lots of saluting going on. Um, Becca, salute. No, I refuse. Salute me. Bow to the patriarchy. I won't. Whoa, okay. <laughs> Can I take that back? You can't. You've already saluted. Feminism. You cannot, uh, you cannot unsalute just because I'm a man. <laughs> Try it. Can't do it. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think you could do it, but turns out you can. Yep. Wow, fantastic. Um, Feminism. Great job. I guess. Yeah. No, you're, you're advancing the rights of, of women everywhere. Fantastic. Um, so today uh, we're going to be discussing uh, Sam Mendes' 1917, which stars just a cameo cast of a bunch of people you've heard of and then a couple of dudes that you haven't. Um, and it's pretty good. Yeah. 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 Great. Can concur. Um, very quickly, though, and this will be very quick, uh, not like last week. I just want to quickly run through the winners of the Golden Globes, which took place last week, um, just to see where we landed. Uh, 1917 actually won Best Drama, which I think that we mostly predicted the Irishman or Marriage Story. So the anti-Netflix bias is real. Uh, Once Upon a Time took away Best Comedy, Expected. Renee Zellweger took away Best Actress, Expected. Joaquin Phoenix took away Best Actor, Expected. And he had a great speech. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he had, did you see his speech, Sid? He had it in his speech. He starts out by congratulating the Hollywood Foreign Press for having a plant-based menu at the Golden Globes this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do your part to do your part to combat climate change, eliminate red meat from your diet as much as you can, and go plant-based if you're able to. Um, he starts out by congratulating them and they all feel good about themselves. And then he starts like calling out celebrities and being like, but this is all great and everything, but sometimes we have to do things like not take private jets oh, everywhere. Yeah, I did hear about that. Yeah. <laughs> and as soon as he brought that up, they started playing him off. Oh no. <laughs> no joke. It's pretty great. He was almost definitely on Coke though. I could see Dude that. Dude seemed out of I his watched, mind. I um, watched like his after acceptance speech, like when they take him like backstage and like, oh, the sure. press. It, it was a, a weird one. Yeah, he's he was out there. <laughs> yeah, I was uncomfortable. Um, Aquafina took away Best Actress in a Comedy, also expected. Uh, Taron Egerton got Best Actor in a Comedy, which I think he was kind of our edge pick. We all thought it was going to be Leo. Mm-hmm. So good for him. Laura Dern, Best Supporting Actress, expected. Mm-hmm. Brad Pitt, Best Supporting Actor, expected, though I still think it should have been Joe Pesci. Uh, Best Director went to Sam Mendes, expected. Screenplay went to Quentin Tarantino, which is nice. I'm super yeah. okay with that. Yeah. Um, Missing Link got animated feature. Yeah, that, that was. was a surprise. Who I was, saw that? 
I, not me, not my boyfriend who's an animator. <laughs> I was watching it and I. Oh, I don't mean who saw the. I, I realized how <laughs> it might have sounded like I said, who saw that movie? <laughs> Uh, yeah but apparently it was good i don't know i audibly yelled what in my room because it was just it was toy story 4 yeah we thought i I thought toy story was a lock oh yeah Yeah, um apparently i do need to redact some of my comments from last week um i guess that disney did not campaign for the lion king to be considered an animated feature did they just nominate it yeah, so the goal, the Hollywood Foreign Press just nominated it, and people are saying oh. that it was like a subtle way to throw shade at Disney, <laughs> which now seems hilarious to While me. Rather also than nominating two of their other movies. Well, sure. That's funny. Um, the farewell took. Be- no, I'm just kidding. Parasite won best foreign language. <laughs> did you even. see his speech? I did. It was awesome. It was so good. Just that opening line. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, for those who missed it, uh, Bang Joon Ho gave his acceptance speech for. Uh, parasite and to open it he it, not quite verbatim but he said something along the lines of like if you're able to get past the one inch barrier of subtitles you'll open yourselves to a new world of film mm-hmm. which is awesome because <laughs> americans are lazy and we can't read uh best score went to the joker which is cool mm-hmm. yeah um i'm really just glad it didn't go to marriage story i don't mean to be bitter about yeah, that but I, I just really don't like the score i did watch marriage story and i didn't like the music thank you like i there were parts where i kind of felt like crying and i wasn't sure if i was crying because of the marriage story or because it reminded me of toy story 3 right thank you it it did just feel it felt like like a sad kind of bittersweet music yeah where the movie is just sad you know Mm -hmm. so still great movie cool uh succession got best drama of a tv show which i've heard it's pretty good i don't know Fleabag got best TV show musical or comedy, which you like that said, right? Mm-hmm. It's very good. Uh, Chernobyl, thank God, got the uh, limited series made for television. So that's great. Um, and all these other ones don't really care about. Olivia Coleman, she won it for The Crown. Yes. What a treasure. Praise be. Yes. I don't even care what she did. I just want her to win things. <laughs> <laughs> Let her win everything. Right. Best director, best score, <laughs> give it to her. Yeah. Um, Stellan Skarsgård did win Best Supporting Actor uh, for a limited series for TV for Chernobyl and Tom Hanks and Ellen DeGeneres both got awards I don't know what these awards mean <laughs> awards I don't know did you you actually know you did you said did you watch the uh, opening monologue from the Golden Globes no oh it's a treat I heard some of it it's worth it to watch just for the cutaways to Tom Hanks' face. Because yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Ricky Gervais was on one. Yeah. Like, zero Fs given. Just, like, <laughs> calling people out right and left. His line about... He said, this was a great year for movies about pedophiles. And he... What did he say? He said we had... Um, I don't remember. I don't remember. He listed off a couple of movies and he's like, and also the two popes. <laughs> um and yeah it's just it's it, it was it's brilliant you, everybody should go watch it because it was awesome and it was so funny to see the media like instantly turn on him because yeah. all he did was just like call out the lavishness and yeah. hypocrisy oh he said uh another one of his of his choice lines is he said uh, sandra bullock she was in uh bird box this year which is a movie where you stay alive by pretending you don't see anything he's like just like all of you did for years with harvey weinstein <laughs> like 
just goes in. It was great. Oh, Gotta love him. Okay, so that's that. Um, I'm excited for the Oscars, though. We're we're shaping up for good stuff. Yeah. Um, maybe I do. Maybe I need to watch Rocket Man at some point this week. I don't know. Because if he won Best Actor at the Golden Globes, mm-hmm. that could turn into something. Who knows? Um, in any case, uh, Oscar nominations will be announced the very same day that this episode is released. So that's coming up soon. Um, okay. Should we get into it? Let's do it. Okay. Right. Today we're going to be discussing Sam Mendes' uh, 1917. It's a historical war drama set uh 1917 and it's world war one and it's uh, war and things um the shtick of this movie is that it is which apparently this qualifies for imdb movie trivia sid would you like to share us the the imdb movie <laughs> yes, trivia here me, okay great real fast. yeah yeah we'll just get our trivia section yeah. out yeah we'll do we'll do the most <laughs> okay. important trivia first okay here we go this is verbatim 500 out of uh 594 people out of 613 found this interesting please tell me you're 613 no, oh. I, I'm going to say not interesting. Great. You so. found this not interesting. <laughs> Shot and edited to appear as a single long take that takes place in real time. Great. Cool. And there's your trivia Didn't for 1917. <laughs> uh, no, Sam Mendes, director of Skyfall and other movies. I don't know. What else has he done? Um. Uh, See, every time I hear his name, I want to say Spider-Man. And Which is Sam Raimi. Yeah. I get them confused. Uh, Sam Mendes. Oh, he did um, American Beauty, Revolutionary Road, Jarhead. Oh, I didn't know he did Revolutionary Road. Road to Perdition. Oh, and he did Spectre as well. Yeah. Which was less good than Skyfall. But still, good movie. Um, in any case, uh, this movie stores, stars somebody. Um, what's his name? George, George McKay. McKay. George McKay. Good kid. Um, and yeah, so let's get right into it. Here's how the show is going to work. We are going to start out uh, with some hot takes, uh, quick shot opinions of the film. Uh, after that, we will dive into our actual discussion, which will be spoilery and spoilerific. And if you haven't seen the movie, you might not want to listen to it. Uh, after that. Uh, Sid will share us the other items of IMDb movie <laughs> trivia. We, are, we already got the best one out of the way. Mm-hmm. but um, And then uh, we will rank the movie out of 10 and place it on the Weston scale, which is the only definitive way to rank movies on a scale of 1 to 10. That's how it's going to go. After that, we'll do some other topics, talk about other movies that we've seen, and housekeeping. So, let's jump right in. Uh, don't burn yourself on these hot takes. Becca, how hot is your hot take? Um, it's not that hot. Not that hot. No, no, not it's, very spicy. It's pretty lukewarm. It's yeah. a, oh geez, old bathwater hot take. <laughs> yeah, it's not that great. Wow. Okay. Um, I didn't love this movie to be honest. Okay. Like, it was fine, but it was just a war movie, and I didn't care for the whole single take thing. Honestly, like it, there were parts that felt pretty boring to me where they were just like walking or even when things got intense i like felt like i should feel like things are intense but i didn't so i don't know it just like didn't quite do it for me on many levels and it was just fine Mm, all right sid how hot is your hot take 
Uh, my hot take is hotter than Becca's. Okay. I will say that. That's good. Um, I liked it. I, I will say that, um, I thought the one shot thing was great. Um, just kind of watching like how they shift in between different, um, sets and like the different lighting changes I thought was great. Um, the only thing is like, I feel like they were really writing on the single take and i don't feel like the story was as good as it could have been i mean it still was a good story but i just didn't feel the emotional impact of certain scenes um and i just didn't feel super connected to the characters um but that being said i still think that just um i thought the movie looked great i've been uh, particularly paying attention to production design lately and even though we talked about it last week with how dumb it is that the revenant was nominated for production design because half of it is the world i still like looking at like the trenches in this um i was really impressed by it so i think on a craft level very good storyline not as good <clears throat> all right i think that uh my hot take is uh at a similar scoville level to sid's but maybe just a little bit hotter um, and I think, uh, for a lot of the same reasons, I think that from a craft level, uh, yeah, this movie's hard to beat. Honestly, it's like this, it's, it's kind of disgusting how well made this movie is. Um, and everybody involved clearly was operating at a very, very high level with the exception of the screenwriter, <laughs> unfortunately. Who was Sam Mendes. Did Sam Mendes write it? This was his first writing. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe pass that one off. Um, but yeah, that was one uh, I super hardcore agree with you. The production design is out of control on this thing. I, I never, if you had told me at the beginning of this year that one of my most anticipated Oscar races would be for production design, like I would have thought you were crazy. There's just, there's like, there's been, here's the thing. First off, there's just been so many good movies this year. And two, like a lot of them have been really dependent on their production design. And so, um, I mean, as a means to immerse you in the film, everything from Parasite to Once Upon a Time to The Lighthouse to this, I think that production designers were just off their rockers this year. They were doing incredible things. Um, second, all of the, the sound design, sound editing, phenomenal in this. Um, I still think, well, I'm not going to say what I think should win. Well, actually, no. Isn't, isn't that the point of the podcast to say what you think? Yeah, I don't know if I should hold it off. Whatever, who cares? Um, I still think that I would pick Uncut Gems for both sound awards over this one. Uh, just because I think that what happened in that movie was a gosh darn miracle of sound mixing. The, what they were able to do is just phenomenal. Um, and then obviously cinematography here, and I will talk plenty about that. But I think that's kind of the problem with this movie is that... Um, I really just want to talk about the tech of it mm -hmm. and like the story. Yeah. Is fairly lacking. And I think they did some smart things to try to make the emotional moments hit, but maybe if somebody who was more experienced had written the movie, it could have turned out better. Mm -hmm. um, like it had everything there yeah. to make it a more emotional and engaging movie. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. And I think, in general, I'm a really big fan of... Well, let's just... Okay, here we go. That's end of hot take. Let's discuss now. 
This, All right. this is the problem with my hot takes is I can't shut up. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and they always just become discussion. I know. I never know if I should like cut you off and talk to one of your points or just let you keep going because it's part of your hot take. <laughs> that's the reason I do it as a hot take. Yeah, Nobody will cut me off. Huh. No. Um, I think that uh, I guess let's let's first talk about the elephant in the room. The one take thing. Right. <laughs> I think for the most part it was really successful. Mm-hmm. But I think that it does come with a few downfalls. Um, first of all, I think that they were able to use it effectively to immerse you in the story. They were able to avoid a lot of the, I guess, theatrical elements, I'll call them, that often come along with doing a one take. I think of something like that episode of Haunting at Hill House. And I know in our episode I praise this, and I think that it just comes down to vibe, right? I think the vibe of it really worked in that one, but wouldn't have worked in this one. But a lot of times with one takes, uh where things are happening in the background and there's people all over the place it it comes across like a theater production right it's very very rehearsed and people are moving very deliberately and you have things like uh episode six of haunting at hill house or birdman that both lean really heavily into those theatrical elements birdman more than anything else because i mean that feeds into the themes and the story of the movie in itself right but i think that they they managed to really effectively avoid making it look like a theater production which i think played a lot into the success of the format because then it served to draw me into the story more than it served as a spectacle Mm -hmm. like i uh, when we watched the revenant there's several long takes in the revenant that i'm five minutes into it Um, that's an exaggeration because i don't think they're that long i'm a couple minutes into it and i'm like holy crap we're still going and i feel like that happened probably a half dozen times over the course of this movie that i was like oh my gosh we're still going Mm -hmm. like even going in knowing that it was going to be one take like it didn't distract me from the film Mm -hmm. um where i think that it has a drawback is in the story aspect um it's hard to buy the bond between the two guys because we have no context for it right it's like it's literally like movie starts these two guys are together and so they're best friends but we don't get any context for how they interact outside of this hyper stressful situation or how they relate to each other or any history on them right and they tried to use um schofield's history as kind of a a a reveal at the end right but i I mean, that could have been just as effective if we had known it from the beginning. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't it didn't yeah. really help anything to have it be revealed at the end that he had a wife and kids. Yeah, it kind of really only made sense in context of the scene with the French woman. And it would have made perfect sense for him to yeah. say, yes, I have kids. Yeah, I, right do, there. Like, I don't feel like seeing the reveal at the end was like, oh, that's why he was nice to a baby and a woman. Like, exactly. Like, it didn't reveal anything new about his motivations. Yeah. It was and, like, no, he just had an important thing to do and you shouldn't hurt yeah. babies. Like, and also... Yeah. I kind of feel the same way about him trading his medal. Like, I I like I feel like they could have done a lot more with that. Yeah, if they had leaned into that aspect of his character a little more. I thought yeah. that was their different views on um, kind of trophies of war yeah. and the, the, the resultant impact of war. Mm-hmm. Like, if they had played with that between the two of them, right? Like, yeah, they're best friends, but this is kind of a point of conflict. But it seemed like... I mean, those were things that would come up if if you are as close to somebody as they wanted us to buy that they were close, mm-hmm. right? Um, those are topics that would have come up. Yeah. But every time that they were brought up, it was supposed to be like we were hearing it, like they were hearing it for the first time, right? Yeah. He's like, wait, you threw away your medal? 
Yeah, it's like, like this, I, this I couldn't come tell up. if they've been friends like from the very beginning or if like over the past week or so. Like, right. They've just been like acquaintances in the same you know, battalion. And like there are little hints that like they go on wacky adventures and stuff because there's the one time where he's like, I didn't know what I was signing you up for. And he's like, you never know. That's your problem. And it made it sound like he's gotten into like into all kind of hijinks in the, in the past, but we don't ever get told about them yeah. or like, so, and I think that that's where the, the, the one take suffers, right? The idea of having it take place in real time is that you lose a lot of context on these, like the only relationship that actually matters. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I didn't like the one take for this movie. Like, I don't know. I like the idea of it. It's an interesting idea. Like, it's all one take. You're just stuck with these people and you got to, like, see this whole thing through. Um, But like you both said, I think they focus too much on making it a really awesome one take that the story and relationships and themes and the whole movie for me, honestly, kind of fell short because of that. And that's totally fair. I mean, like I, we've talked about this several times before, like my enjoyment of movies is based like 60% on craft and 40% on everything else. Right. So if you get a movie that the craft is immaculate, I'm going to like it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like very heavy story themes. Yeah. Learning something from a movie. Like that's what I want out of a movie. Yeah. And like, I don't feel like I learned anything from this necessarily. Like, yep. War's bad. Thought that before. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that there were really many themes that weren't just war for me yeah yeah it was just kind of like oh like yeah i was kind of trying to dissect the themes and it was just like i guess do something for your country like it's like very obvious that he doesn't want to be on this mission but he's still gonna do it you know yeah Mm -hmm. i don't know well and what's what is what is interesting about the story structure is that it's basically a road movie against the backdrop of, of war, right? And for, yeah. for anybody who's not familiar with the format, a road movie is basically your characters move from set piece to set piece, meet different people in each place, and it, eventually the idea is that the things you learned along the way add up, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. that's kind of the format of a road movie. And so in that way, this, was, this really was a road movie, mm-hmm. um, just on the backdrop of war. And so the one thing that I did get from it is this idea that, like... Um, kind of the effect that you can have on people or people can have on you just meeting somebody in passing. Mm -hmm. But I didn't feel like that was like super leaned into. It was just like a side effect of it being a road movie because like a lot of road movies talk about that, Mm -hmm. that like, you know, just because somebody passes through, they might have a big effect on your life. Yeah. Like I, I think they could have really emphasized that with, um, Oh, who was it? Um, Mark strong with his, his little cameo um the one who takes them on the the trucks right yeah. Oh, yeah and he like says something like make sure there's witnesses and i like when he gives the note to Mackenzie, i just i don't really feel like that paid off had anything yeah i was waiting for something to yeah. happen like i understood what he meant and you kind of see it in that scene at the end but that like brandersnatch is stoked for the yeah like he just wants something to happen yeah but, but like just, ultimately he makes the right decision on his own and like yeah. very quickly oh, yeah. and without much convincing yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like read it mm, okay yeah, yeah. it's just kind of yeah no yeah that whole thing like it just turned out that most of the people were pretty good soldiers and like they're gonna do what their commanding officer says yeah <laughs> um can we also talk about the casting? Because I 
definitely had a fairly large problem with the casting. I... I mean, I, pr- I would probably say out of the two main... Um, What's his name? So the, the the main dudes, uh, Blake and Schofield. Blake and Schofield. I'm totally fine with that. Okay. I yeah, thought they I'm were. Okay I thought that. they were great, and I thought but, they. I honestly thought they gave really good performances. Honestly, I have no problem with that. I agree with the that. The only thing I would say is I just feel like Blake. He just looks very young. I guess that's just it for me. He just seemed, and also like he was on Game of Thrones, and maybe I'm just like seeing him as that character. Who was he in Game of Thrones? He um, what's his name? He's one of the Lannister kids, um, Tommen. The one who... That's Tommen? Uh-huh. Good heavens, he grew up. Yeah. So, like, I, I still, like, see him as that smaller character. Sure. So, I guess I had a harder time. Yeah, I didn't getting, notice that at all. I think if I didn't know who it was, I would be much more sold on him. I had a much bigger problem with what I'll call the cameos. Yeah. Right? Um, and I don't know. Oh, what you I was just going to say that um, I think it was totally fine that he was young. Like, that made sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I guess... Because there were so many... Yeah really really young boys there yeah but i felt like they could have done something more with that to show like look at how young this is yeah yeah Yeah. i guess uh, my big issue is i guess i just didn't like the cameos right Mm -hmm. like it was kind of like oh look at this famous british guy it was distracting right where everything about this format and the whole way the movie is made is designed to draw you in and be as immersive as possible you know, Colin Firth shows up for a second and I'm like, oh, there's Colin Firth. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, there's Adam Scott or not Adam Scott. What's his name? Andrew Scott. Right. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, oh, shoot. There's Mark Strong. Oh, gosh. Richard Madden. Yeah. Oh, I feel shoot. Like Bandersnatch. Like with these kind of movies, especially because they want you to be so immersed in it with the one take, like you have to do pretty much no names because mm-hmm. as soon as you see those guys, you're like, oh, I remember that guy. I remember him from this movie and that movie and this one. And you just, you can't yeah, and be immersed. Uh, one of the themes that I did notice throughout, um, not as much with like Brandishnatch and Colin Firth, but like um, the, uh, basically everybody else that they ran into along the way. The idea is like, like everybody's just people, right? But like when you walk up and it's Andrew Scott, I'm like, oh, he's important. Mm-hmm. Or like even before you see Mark Strong's face, just the way that they have his just like his feet come in, he stands uh-huh. there. You already know that's someone important, and it's going to be someone famous. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so like I was like thinking, I was like thinking of his voice. How do I know? And then I could guess it. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like, yeah, with these kind of movies, they're just like faces in the crowd, you know. And like it just didn't need to happen, right? Like it's not like they had these big enormous roles that required these amazing acting chops to pull off, right? Like. Literally, you had Colin Firth because you could have Colin Firth. You could have had anybody, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there were plenty of bit players. I think that the dudes who tried to restrain uh, Schofield outside of uh, Brandishnatch's little room gave just as good a performance as Colin Firth did. Oh, you could yeah. have had one of them play the general, yeah. right? Who cares? Yeah. Like, it was just distracting every time a big name showed up. And it... It fed into it being, I feel like that fed even more into it like being distracting as a road movie because it was like you'd get your new set piece and you'd show up and you'd see a famous person and you're like, okay, here's here's the big moment and then we're going to move on. Mm-hmm. Great. Here's the big moment and then we're going to move on. Like it, it really kind of artificially segmented the story in a way that just didn't serve it, it felt like. Mm-hmm. And it was more about those other people than about what was the exactly, point of the movie. Exactly. Right. Um, so yeah, anything else on that? 
No. no. My other thought was this as far as themes go. And this was something that is shared. Uh, I, I, I mentioned it last week when we were talking about Ex Machina. And I did like it about this. But um, I really appreciate it in stories where kind of something starts being about one thing. And generally the more tense and the more stressful things become, the focus gets wider and blurrier. And I, I, I appreciate, I appreciated that about the story and that like this starts out, it's like your brother is in danger. So Mm -hmm. grab your friend and let's go. And slowly over the course of the film, that context gets lost. Right. Mm -hmm. And it becomes like, I'm going to die, but like, holy shit, before I die, am I going to deliver this message? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And, like, t- it doesn't even matter what the message is at that point. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, like, this is the thing that is keeping me going. And I like it when something in a story starts out as one thing and totally morphs into another. Mm-hmm. But then it's interesting that, like, you know, Brandersnatch tells him to F off. And, you know, as soon as as soon as he says to call off the troops and he talks to him for a second and tells him to F off, like, you see the the physical weight come off of... Schofield's shoulders right and then you can almost like see the switch flip in his head that he's like now i gotta find his brother mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and I, I i liked that yeah i did like the um like once blake died it kind of became more of i need to do this for him and get to his brother and save his brother um and while like i feel like the the scene with the the cherry trees was like a little heavy-handed i still thought it was like kind of a good reminder like why he's doing this it was like master hand from smash brothers heavy-handed yeah (laughs) it was just kind of like like it it was like it made sense like he needed help to get out of this terrible situation sure and it was a good reminder but yeah it was just kind of like oh remember the thing with the trees they're they're literally falling on his face yeah Yeah. (laughs) but yeah like i thought that was I could just like at the premiere see Sam Mendes like pause it from the projector room and stick his head out and be like, "Do you guys remember they talked they talked about the cherry trees, guys? Do you remember?" <laughs> and then he makes sure everyone knows he goes around. Did you, did you remember that? Did you then, get it? Did you catch it? <laughs> and then when his brother shows up, he's like, "Remember, remember when he said I have a brother? <laughs> That's him." <laughs> also, remember when he died? Yeah. Also, it's very it's very kind to uh, Dean Charles Chapman to say he looks like Richard Madden. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Like it's the Starks against the Lannisters. Holy crap! He is much skinnier in real life. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that that picture's from a while ago. Yeah. Wait, hang on. Oh, Dean Charles Chapman is Tommen. Okay, I thought you were saying George McKay was che- was no. Tom, and I was like, "What the no. crap?" George McKay was in uh, like Captain Fantastic. Oh, he's the oh, oldest son. I yeah. see that now. Okay, I was wondering where I knew him from because yeah. he was really familiar. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. When did Captain Captain Fantastic came out in twenty sixteen? He's done a lot since then. Good for him. Remember um, in Captain Fantastic when you see Viggo Mortensen's penis? I do remember that. That's the only thing I can remember from them. <laughs> well, at least you're focused. <laughs> I was watching it at work, and I and I just like all that sudden there's a penis, and I'm like, uh-huh. like skip ahead. <laughs> anyway. Oh man, what were we even talking about? Um, 1970. Sure, we we're talking about 1970. <laughs> um. Oh yeah, that part of the story that I did like. 
is what we just talked about and now that topic's done yeah oh yeah <laughs> um the other thing about this movie is that it, it it feels like two movies in the the second half is like leaps and bounds better than the first half mm-hmm. i definitely agree with that like yeah. the movie really clicks after uh blake dies mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. that's like that See, okay, here's so I'll, I'll jump back to this again. That scene is where I really became convinced on the one take format because it, it it felt like you know they've been having this whole movie up to this point take place in real time, right? Yeah, and so you get a very real sense of how long things are taking, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that scene with how long it took was incredibly stressful for me because. I knew that what I was watching was taking as long as it was taking me to watch it. And so it felt like the entire first part of the movie just built up to that moment. And specifically when he starts taking everything out of his pockets and taking his rings off and like how long that takes and how deliberate he is with it and how, uh, you know, respectful he is to his friend's body and all of these things like that moment. And, and uh, really just the time of it, how long it took made that scene actually really did have an impact on me Mm -hmm. because, and I feel like that is because of the one take format. If I wasn't clear on how quickly time was passing in the movie and like a lot of movies would have had it like cut between like, you know, some close up on his hand of him removing the rings and another close up on the pocket of him pulling this out and that out. But, but like all of it in this, in this wide shot of him just, you know, kind of, uh, taking all of these important things off of his friend's body, like that really was impactful to me. Mm-hmm. I think also kind of going the opposite way, it also kind of hit me like how short of amount of time that it was that he was just like napping. Sure. Like, yeah. I, I checked my watch and I was like 40 minutes ago, he was still alive. Like he wasn't even on this mission. Yeah. So that was, yeah, something really, yeah. Cause it, it really dragged out like the important parts, but it also was like, you could die so fast out here. Yeah. You know? And I, I did think that scene was fairly well done. I liked that they had him get stabbed off screen mm-hmm. because again, you just weren't expecting it. Right. Like, yeah. Um, I will say, I mean, that whole scene was probably my favorite scene in the movie from the minute they start checking the abandoned house to the minute the other soldiers arrive. Like that was all very engaging and yeah, it was very good. Really emotional. Um, uh, my beef with the first half, it, it's, it's so strange and it's very lucky for this film. I feel like in all cases, right. Especially for awards and things like that, the, the end of the movie is the last taste we have in our mouths because I feel like a lot of people will be willing to overlook the first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the, I just don't think there's anything, I, I don't think there's any way around it. The first half of this movie is significantly weaker than the second half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first half to me feels very video gamey is how I would put yeah. it. It does. Yeah. I felt like I was watching somebody play a video game. Mm-hmm. Um, even in the dialogue, right? Like they keep reminding each other of things to give the like, and and like every time they would say something, I'd be like, "That's to give the audience bearing." Mm-hmm. When they'd be like, "Oh, here we are. We're at the front line." It's like, "Oh, that's the front line. Mm-hmm. Hundred yards to the guard shack or whatever, right?" Yeah. Like, look, like, there's a hole in the fence. Exactly. Like, <laughs> like these things that they would have just that it seemed really awkward for them to say out loud or to announce to each other mm-hmm. that i was like oh that the literal purpose of that is to give the audience bearing yeah and so like and that's a very video game dialogue thing right 
And then even like kind of the ridiculousness of the German bunker situation. Yeah. Like the whole thing. Trap. Yeah. Like, and, and did it have any bearing on the movie at any point? Right. Like you would think, especially after they were angry afterwards that like it might've fractured their relationship in some way, but no, like they just moved on and like he had all like his hand getting hurt. Like, I guess the idea is that he got hurt along the way. Yeah. That's kind of what I was saying. I was like, like none of those things when, had any bearing. When he got cut at the beginning, I was like, oh, okay, that's going to get infected and then he's going to die. That's what I thought too. But then yeah. I was like, but he's not going to get infected and die in the next hour. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I guess, I mean, like I did enjoy the first half. It was more just like kind of fun to think about how they filmed all of this. Yeah. That's so, so honestly what I was thinking about yeah. most of the movie. I mean, like there were some like shots of them just like going up and down and like the the trenches and the mud like which were really cool yeah like it was just mostly really cool to think about how they filmed it but thinking back like I, if i didn't really care about the craft of a movie or even know about it i wouldn't have enjoyed it as much sure and that's i mean it, it, that feeds into what we were talking about right in that the screenplay is the weakest aspect here and the dialogue in particular not even the story like the story is serviceable right it's not a bad story yeah. the dialogue tended to be not very great and so it makes sense that the movie would level up when your primary dialogue partner is eliminated yeah yeah because then he doesn't have to just say oh that's this and that you know exactly because it would make no sense for him to say that yeah even though it would make no sense for them to say that together because they both know right yeah um That, I, I think that was my big thing is like, it was so funny because even as we were watching it, you know, the first 40 minutes or whatever, I'm like, oh, this is good. I'm enjoying this. Oh, that was really cool how they did that. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, and then as soon as he dies and hits that death scene mm-hmm. and he's trying to like cart him around and the acting in that scene was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And as soon as it did that like circle around shot of him holding his friend, I was like, in my head, I was like, okay, now I'm sold. Like, yeah. that just got me. And from there on, I felt like the movie was honestly fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, if the first half was as good as the last half, I would honestly say that I love this movie, yeah. right? But, like, I really like it, and I think it's, in like, phenomenally well made, and I would love to see it again. And if you're going to see it, you should see it on a, the biggest screen possible. Yeah. But yeah, the first half just, like... It was just kind of whatever to me, honestly. Yeah, it was kind of just like the buildup. Like I did really like the scenes in the trenches. Like it, like while it did kind of feel like a video game, it was also really cool. Like you felt like you were in the trenches and you felt claustrophobic and like you felt cold and muddy like everyone else in there. Sure. So I thought it, yeah, it was like really good to kind of like immerse you in the world. I think it just went on for a little too long. Mm-hmm. I'll buy that. And again, that's a a service of it taking place in real time, right? Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, Do we want to talk about the cinematography now? Let's do it. Yeah. So, Becca, your favorite sequence was the farmhouse. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I also loved when, like, he came up on the soldiers after getting out of the river like that whole part was really cool and then just like him trying to find right um the general like like all of that was really engaging but i do think my favorite sequence was that the farmhouse i thought him coming out of the river into that scene of the guy singing and i thought that was just 
breathtaking. Oh, it like, really was. Completely out of context. Show me that 15 minutes of the movie yeah. and I'm sold. Oh, like, yeah. Him yeah. going into the white trenches. Yeah. That was uh-huh. just, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, really from there to the end, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, but specifically that scene and the the, the colors and the lighting of, of the forest and the kid's voice and everybody was so attentive and you could see that he finally is taking a second to breathe. And, and then you realize the way... afterwards that he's taking a second to die. Like, Yeah. And the way that like the camera moves behind him and mm-hmm. then all the way around and through the group. It's is so like... phenomenal. Yeah. 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 Um, what about you, Sid? What was your... Um, I don't know if I just liked this part because it looked really cool. It, it was probably that. When he first wakes up after getting knocked out mm-hmm. and you just, like, hear the flares going and all the shadows mm-hmm. of the just, like, destroyed town. I just thought that, that was, was cool. so cool. I don't think it was, like, my favorite, like, sequence. It was probably one of my favorite shots, but I would probably say my favorite favorite sequences once he gets into the last trenches that is pretty great i just Mm -hmm. thought like the white was such a different con contrast to the first trenches that we saw Mm -hmm. it just i've like i mean it was just prettier colors and i don't know i guess it was still like really intense but it felt hopeful that he was gonna get there yeah for sure and i don't know for me the only time that like death felt real or like a real consequence was when he jumped up out of the trenches right at the end Uh, but like even before then like we see a lot of death and i mean yeah his partner's death was real but like i don't know it just didn't feel real until that moment for me yeah i want to i do want to take a moment here before i talk about my favorite sequence to again just rag on trailers because i feel like the trailers for this movie did it a humongous disservice one Mm -hmm. i expected his friend to die because we had plenty of scenes of just George McKay yeah. in the trailer, right? Like, there were scenes of them together, and then there were scenes of just him. And I'm like, oh, he's going to die, 100%. I actually didn't predict that. Oh, really? But then, yeah, I was like, oh, I didn't really think that was going to happen. And then as I thought about the trailer, I was like, you know what? You do see the one guy by himself more often, so it makes sense now. And second is you do have that kind of hero shot, right, of him jumping out of the trench and running across the field with all the soldiers. Yeah. And so you know he doesn't make it in time. You know, yeah, one, you know he doesn't make it in time. And two, as soon as you see that green field, you know exactly what he's going to do. So there's no impact in his choice. Because as soon as I saw that field, I was just waiting for the shot of him running. Yeah, yeah same. And, like, as he was looking for General McKenzie, I'm thinking about the trailer, you see Bandersnatch. And, like, you just know that he's going to be the next cameo. And you're like, okay, he's going to get there. Exactly, right? Yeah. Like, another disservice that the cameos did, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm I'm thinking of people that I've seen in the trailer, right? In the trailer, I saw... Um, uh, I just lost his name. Colin? I saw Colin Firth. Mm-hmm. You see Andrew Scott. Um, and you see Brandersnatch are, like, the big ones that you see in the trailer. So I'm yeah. I'm working through the checklist in my head, right? Yeah, you're like, who's left? And by the time we get out into the middle of nowhere and we see Mark Strong, I'm like, great, so Brandersnatch must be Mackenzie. Mm-hmm. And so you know that he's going to make it. So, uh, again, I just I hate trailers, and I hate it when they give away too much of the story. And this is a perfect example of a trailer doing a real disservice to the narrative of the movie and to the impact of certain scenes, right? Because, again, that hero shot of him running across the field is phenomenal. It's a, it's a fantastic shot, and he gives a great, a very physical performance right there where he's running into people and falling down and, mm-hmm. and just the determination to get there. Mm-hmm. But, like, 
I knew it was coming. And so the, him jumping up into the field didn't have an impact on me because I knew it was going to happen from, you know, three months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Back on track. Um, I actually, I'm going to say my favorite sequence was after he woke up after getting shot. Um, and I think that a lot of that, I think it's 99% of just because of the way that it looked, mm. but like, no joke. I was at half mast like for that entire <laughs> sequence, just because of the gosh darn oh lighting, gosh, yeah. like the lighting in that sequence on its own should win Roger Deakins an Oscar. Yeah. Like the, the contrast between the white flares and the yellow orange fire and the way that the lighting changes and he comes in and out of shadow and the focus never gets messed up. Like that right there, like just take that 15 minutes or so of darkness. And even when he gets in with the French woman and the, and the room is fire lit and the way that the lighting and the shadows play into everything, like take that entire sequence and like on day one of cinematographer school, like slap down, that entire sequence and just say you want to know how good lighting can get like right here this yeah. <laughs> yeah also in that sequence the moment when i guess this doesn't have to do with cinematography or lighting but when he sees the other soldier and they're like walking towards each other oh, yeah. and you don't know what's going to happen and when then they realize that they're on opposite sides uh-huh. yeah and oh I, my gosh it's terrifying yeah and then the the scene where he's fighting the the other German guy, oh, and it's yeah. just like the main focus is him on top of him strangling him, and then the other drunk soldier. And well, that so uh, yeah, that was a couple of times where um, when when he comes out and the the church is on fire, right, mm-hmm. and your big focus is on that, and then all of a sudden this shadow like comes from around the corner and draws your focus down. So the the, the frame doesn't move, but your focus changes entirely, and that's that's a hundred percent lighting. Like mm-hmm. lighting, telling a story. Yeah. And then again, you see him get closer. And then same thing. I think the fight between him and the other soldier is very unclear as to what's happening. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you get there. And by the time he's holding him down and strangling him, it took me a second to figure out who was on top. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that that confusion again, really plays into the stress of that scene. And excuse me. Um, uh, you know, not knowing who was who necessarily. And then you're right. The drunk guy, walking in from the corner of the frame like the cinematography there was just absolutely incredible and the lighting in particular like sometimes we don't remember that cinematographers are primarily responsible for lighting the scene and i've never seen anything like that ever like for it to look that good what did we do to deserve roger deacon's Dude, Roger Deakins and Emmanuel Lubezki, I don't know what... Because, same thing, again, like, day two of cinematography school should just be the entirety of The Revenant. (laughs) And be like, you think you need electricity, boys? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Just, Roger Deakins is so underappreciated for the past 200 years, except for last year. Yeah, when he gets, like, 45 (laughs) Oscar nominations, and they're just like, ah, so close, bud. So close. Sorry. Can't do it. You entirely changed the color scheme of Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Sorry, bud. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I can talk about that scene forever. Just how freaking good the lighting is. Yeah. And again, the the changes in color palette across the course of the movie are really phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, the one time I found it distracting was the first time that they go underground and it changes so drastically from like daylight to candlelight. Mm-hmm. I like. I found I, that a bit distracting. It, but. Like thinking about it now, like it was just like too much of a change. But just thinking about how they were able to transition so smoothly from 
Well, it's two different shots. Like right. it, it just it goes black for a frame. Right, but still, like yeah, I felt like they did that very smoothly. Like yeah, it probably wouldn't be that like well lit down there. Of course, you know nothing is ever well lit like in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought like a lot of the transitions between different lighting was done very well. Sure, I agree with you. I would say with the exception of that one, that that one transition oh. was was distracting. Everything else was was good. Yeah. I did. I hate it when I'm watching a movie and it makes me think of other movies, though. <laughs> because, like, I want to be thinking about your movie while I'm watching your movie. But when he gets shot in the head and it goes black, I was like, oh, Birdman. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. <laughs> One cool thing, though, is like I checked my watch and we were an hour and six minutes before like the first like noticeable cut. I does that happen at hours hour and six hour minutes. six okay yeah. i thought that was really impressive yeah for sure yeah it, it does it's really reminiscent of birdman and like if you watch it it's fairly easy to tell where they're making the cuts because to make yeah. a cut you really just need to have something static that's not a human and right. so anytime you go around a pillar or around some rubble or any of those shots you were talking about where it goes up and down through the mud like that doesn't just serve to look cool like that serves as right seamless yeah, cuts yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is fine. Like, I don't have a problem with that, right? Like, they do the same thing in... I mean, like, Emmanuel Lewinsky is the master of that, right? Like, that's how Birdman is filmed. Um, That's how he does all the awesome ones in Children of Men. Like, those are all actually several miniature shots. Yeah. But... Except the one with the blood on the... The one with the blood on the camera? camera. Phenomenal. (laughs) So cool. Oh, my gosh. Phenomenal. What was the other one? The Revenant. Yeah. You got blood blood on the camera. camera. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, oh! You were talking about the Revenant. I, no, I was talking about Children of Men. Okay, because well, there there are scenes in both yeah. where yeah. yeah, and wasn't Children of Men like an accident? Yeah, uh-huh. that wasn't supposed to be on yeah, there, but they, they were like, they "This is just such a good take." It. <laughs> so cool, man. Man. Um. Also, one more thing: the score in this was phenomenal. Oh yeah, I thought the score I was, was blown great. away by the score. Yeah. In the second half, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The first half, I got, like, I really just don't think the first half of this is very good. Yeah, I feel like in the first half, the music was more of just, like, a filler. Like, oh, yeah, they're just walking. Listen to some music. Yeah. Pass well, the time. And there there were a few times for me where the music felt a bit manipulative, like, a bit, like, saying this is how you should feel. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I thought it was really good. Yeah, I feel like I especially noticed that when they're in the bunker. And it's just like um, Schofield looks down and then Blake's like, what's wrong? And like the music is like, and you're like, it's cans. And then it's like, oh, it's a tripwire. Like it was really like trying to tell you something bad's going to happen. Yeah. You know, the one. Yeah, that part. And then the one part that felt a little bit weird for me was your favorite scene. (laughs) That's fine. When he was like walking after he woke up and he was walking through and it's all this like majestic music that i thought that was great honestly i didn't like it i was super into that it felt really out of place and weird and i was like had no idea what to expect or what was going to happen and it just was a bit weird for me but other than that i enjoyed the music also what the heck with the milk that was weird. Well, I thought something yeah. was going to happen with that. What like, purpose? It, it just, what happened is he happens to run into a baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of weird. Well, the thing I thought was going to happen was, okay, if there's just this like bucket of milk, then somebody's got to be close by. Yeah, that's what I was thinking right. too. You don't just milk a cow and then... Leave and, the bucket? And, like, the milk yeah. is still fine. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I would like that whole scene. Yeah, I was expecting someone else to be in the house somewhere or like something to happen aside from the plane crashing. Yeah, yeah it's like, like Sam Mendes is, is writing the movie and he gets to the French scene and he's like, oh, there's a baby here. I wish he what had a baby's need. Sure would be helpful if he had some milk. And then he just backtracked to like, that was a place that he could yeah. milk. And he's like, okay, we, we have to say that there's cows everywhere, so let's show a bunch of dead cows. Yeah. And- <laughs> well, apparently, so this was inspired by Sam Mendes' grandfather's experiences in World War One. Hmm. So maybe that did happen. I think the killing of the cows is accurate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely see some of this happening. I mean, I don't feel like it's super probable that like one day he'd just be like, oh, let's grab some milk. There's a baby. You know, right? Yeah, that yeah, like that when was a bit when that part happened, she was like, "No, she can't eat this. She needs milk." I was just like, "What?" That was another part when <laughs> um, Sam Mendes paused it. Remember the <laughs> Me- milk? Remember the milk, guys? <laughs> Do you remember that? And he was like, "Wow, my mind is just wow." He that reminds just- me, uh, we were playing Dungeons and Dragons this week, and um, for some, uh, we were going on a journey. And we needed to take some food. So I filled up my water skin with soup. <laughs> it was like 40 minutes later that I realized we were just carrying around bags of soup. <laughs> and the DM being as amazing as he is, worked it into it that like somebody, we ran into somebody that needed some soup. <laughs> that's hilarious. I was like, that's good. But it felt it felt like that. Yeah, that like, yeah. Oh, I have soup. Yeah. And again, like, the baby was there because it served to show that he liked babies because he has babies. But, like, everybody likes babies whether you have them or not, right? Yeah. Like, nobody's going to walk up and be like, you know what? I'm going to punch this baby because <laughs> I just hate him. Like, him being nice to a baby didn't reveal anything about his character because, like, what else are you going to do but be nice to the baby? Mm-hmm. Well, and also a place that's, like, so just, like, right in the middle of war is not going to have any other people there. It, like I don't know that that I buy it might. I don't somebody think who couldn't so. get out. I don't know. Yeah. I think they would have gotten out or killed a long time ago. Maybe. I buy. I'm fine with that. I, I got a problem with that having a straggler. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh-uh. More just like the part where she was like, "Do you have kids?" I was like, "No." He looks like he's 13 and a half. Of right. course he doesn't have kids. But as soon as she said that, I was like, "Yep, of course he has oh, kids." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Okay, well, duh." Yeah. <laughs> But you're right. Yeah, I, I thought. Well, why do you have kids? He's yeah, fifteen. Yeah, <laughs> he's not even legal yet. And it turns out he has two kids. What? Who knew? But again, like that would have been a very reasonable time for it to reveal to he had kids, right? Mm-hmm. Like you didn't need to hold it off until the end. Yeah, like it didn't need to be like a secret. And again, like if we were sitting, like that could have had impact throughout, right? Because if we learn at that point that he has kids. Like, a lot of what he did up to that point yeah. gained some impact, right? Because, like, oh, shoot, dude, he's got a family yeah. to go home to. And then everything he does from that moment on has even more impact. Mm-hmm. I feel like if it were, like, she asked him, do you have kids? And, like, he was going to answer. And then the bell started tolling. Like, it would make more sense for him to not answer. Because then he'd be like, oh, one, two, you know, start counting. Mm-hmm. Like, other than that, it's just kind of, like just like she's not gonna go find your family yeah like and people with kids always want to say if somebody if you have kids and somebody asks you have kids you always want to answer yes (laughs) yeah you feel great about it yeah Yeah. i don't know it just like it didn't and it's such a little thing to get held up on but i guess that's kind of the point like it's a little thing that distracted me Mm -hmm. i don't know um what else 
think that's pretty much all I have. Like, it just was a so-so movie for me. Yeah, I think I'm good. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Yeah, I feel like if they could have shortened the beginning, I don't know, made the dialogue more natural, I feel like I would be much more on board with this one. Yeah, or even, yeah. like, not even necessarily shorten the beginning, but use that as an opportunity to have, like, real discussions between the two of them yeah. about sure themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, that's a really good opportunity for character development, which they tried, but mm-hmm. it a lot of it just fell flat. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. It was kind of like, oh, this is a time where we can bond. Did you ever hear about how that guy lost his ear? Like, don't talk who, about someone else. Who we don't know. <laughs> I feel like that was something that was, like, definitely just taken or, from the autobiography. And yeah. Just, like, verbatim. Or even it. when he shows up and Richard Madden is at the end and he's like, your brother was a good person. He was always telling funny stories. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Mendes pauses it. Remember the funny story he told about the ear? <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> so, yeah. I guess yeah. I guess in general the the various callbacks were fairly ham-fisted. Mm-hmm. Is how I will yeah, sum I up my Sam Mendes mockery. <laughs> very natural or spontaneous. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It, it, that's a good way to put it. It didn't feel na- it didn't feel spontaneous in a movie that relies so heavily on happenstance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Like so many of the things are serendipitous right the cherry blossoms the milk all of this the movie re- like the narrative of the movie relies on happenstance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then the actual serendipitous moments don't feel not like they, they feel planned mm-hmm. well and even to both of your points from earlier like um we don't know how long they knew each other but i think they could have completely pulled off them not knowing each other for very long because i think that's a pretty common thing with war is like you become friends with who you're with really quickly and you have each other's backs but yeah just none of that was explored at all yeah and it very well could have been right on all right that's it for me i think yeah i don't have anything else. what kind of trivia do we have oh let's see i don't have too much um as you may remember from the beginning, <laughs> this is shot and edited to look like one take. Since we haven't been talking about that yeah. the entire episode. Um, okay, so um, while they were filming some of this, uh, the production staff had to install signs warning walkers in the area to not be alarmed by the bodies strewn about. <laughs> oh, jeez. Don't worry about these bodies. <laughs> Um, over 5,200 feet of trenches were dug for the film just under one mile. That's crazy. Wow. That was kind of like one of the big things like with the production design. Like at first I was like, wow, this is good. And then you just like, it keeps winding and you see everything that they did. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's see. Oh, so George McKay bumping into running soldiers and getting hit a few times were not in the script because I don't really feel like you can be like, and then he gets Freaking hit marks by this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Jerome Bettis is on this. Is is a British soldier now. Runs him over. (laughs) Um, The only time the sun shines in the movie is the ending where Schofield sits under the tree. That's it. All right. And also, did you catch this? Schofield has kids. Oh, is that trivia? What? No, I just I feel like it. (laughs) You should add that. You should add that. (laughs) Did you know? That in the end, Schofield is revealed to have kids. It's not revealed until the end that Schofield has a wife and children. That's the only reason why he was nice to a baby. Other than that, he would have just... You should. no that baby out there to the Germans. Dude, you could totally write it in. It'd be like... uh, 
although it is not revealed until the end of the film, uh, uh, what is it? Lance Corporal, Lance Corporal Schofield has a wife and children. Uh, this is foreshadowed by the way that he is kind to the French baby. <laughs> so many people would be like, oh my gosh, that's so interesting. You're so right. Right? <laughs> Sam Mendes would go on there. That's so interesting. Interested. <laughs> Sam Mendes has 500 IMDb accounts that he just goes and upvotes all the trivia. <laughs> Everything that he likes and everything that he doesn't like, he downloads. I'm sure Sam Mendes is a fantastic person. I don't know why this ended up mocking him so much. He's, he's a great filmmaker, very talented. I'm sure he's great. American Beauty is fantastic. I haven't seen it. Very good. Revolutionary um, Road is very good, too. Yes, it is. Uh, American Beauty has not aged well, just considering uh, Kevin Spacey's... Rapiness? Yes. <laughs> very good movie, though. Uh, Kevin Spacey, not a cool dude, though. No. Okay, Becca, your final thoughts and rating out of 10 for Sam Mendes' 1917. All right. Um, I don't really have much more to say. I like, again, like, it's not like I hate this movie. Like, there are a lot of really great things about it, mostly just the craft for me. But the story definitely didn't live up to what I would have wanted it to be. Um, And it's just a fine movie for me. Um, the good and the bad balance out each other to just be fine. So I'm going to give it a 7.9. Wow. Fine is a 7.9. Nice. It's a pretty good score. That is a good score. Yeah. <laughs> Sid? Um, okay. Yeah. I've pretty much talked about everything that I really liked about this movie. Um, some things that I didn't like so much. Um, I mean, really there's not much else to be said. Um, I thought it was great. Just the craft of it was really good. Um, really do wish that like the emotional parts hit a little bit harder. Um, so I'm going to give this one an 8.2. Okay. Um, I am slightly regretting right now my New Year's resolution to only do whole, like full round numbers. But You don't have to live up to it. No, I do. Is what it is. Um, this movie is somewhere in the sevens, but I think it's closer to an eight than it is to a seven. So I'm going to give it an eight. Um, I think that that puts us probably at an eight. Yeah, probably a clean eight point oh. It's very rare that we get point oh scores. Yeah. Um, let us see. It really just is like the the craft of it makes up for a lot of the parts it's lacking. Hard agree. That puts it just above the Truman Show. That feels about right. Above the Truman Show, but just below Sunshine and Twenty Eight Days Later. I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. All right, folks. That'll conclude our discussion of Sam Mendes' 1917. We're going to talk about other movies that we've seen as well as some housekeeping business. And that's that. Uh, we've not been very active this week as far as movies go. Just one. We have been uh, nonstop playing the PlayStation 4 video game Detroit Become Human. It's amazing. <laughs> it's phenomenal. That we finished playing it. We, yeah, we, played, we did the entire that's thing this week. One. It was probably like 15 hours that oh we put gosh, into it this week. Yeah. <laughs> It was really good. It was really, really good, though. Um, but yeah, I think we started playing it at the beginning of the week. Was it really this week? I think so. Oh, my god! It was after our last podcast. <laughs> We're terrible. Those kind yeah. of games stress me out. I think we started last Saturday, actually. We probably did. Sounds right. Just like the choice-based ones? or Yeah, and like you have to be really fast. Uh, yeah. Well, he, we, Andrew makes all the choices. Yeah, I just I mean, tell him what to do. Well, so we played it as a friend group, and Austin was the one. Like, you played Detroit? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um. Austin was the one like 
doing the controls but i had to tell him what to do mm-hmm. and it was like the interrogation scene yeah and oh, it was yeah. i was so scared i was just like oh it was very good though did you die right there in the interrogation no i actually scene? did pretty good but then we never got a chance to play it again so. oh yeah we played the whole game yeah. in like a week it was crazy <laughs> it was really fun though we played um man of madame a few months ago oh how's that it was pretty fun i mean like it would probably only be fun for like once around because like, it's fairly short right yeah it only took us about two nights okay. um but i was not very good at it i died pretty fast actually we should play that one that's made by the same people that did until dawn mm-hmm. all right so which we also played i hear that one's really fun. it's really fun yeah. yeah we did that one last week <laughs> no we did that one took us a couple weeks yeah you're right it did yeah um but we did go see a hidden life that was amazing. It's phenomenal. The more I think about it, the more I love it. Hard agree. Like, because, I mean, it was pretty long. Yeah. And. It's it's almost exactly three hours. And it was hard to watch. Yeah. Like, it, it really was. It's slow. Just because mm. it was so it's slow. Very, very contemplative. Very mm-hmm. Terrence Malicky. Oh, yeah. Yes and no. Really? Yeah, In are, what ways? Are, are you still going to see it? I mean, I don't want to, like, say too much. I don't feel like I'm going to have the chance to be able to see it. I will say this. It's a very interesting evolution on his style. Okay. Um, the camera is not as active as it is in some of his other films. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot more wide angle shots that stay rather than kind of sweeping in and out. The editing style is still very hectic, mm-hmm. um, which that is just a Malick thing. Yeah. Um, but I felt like it served the movie more than it harmed it. Um and what they do with the voiceovers, because again, that's what you expect with Malik is mm-hmm. lots of voiceovers. What they do with them is really interesting. It moves in and out of like the, the diegetic dialogue. So you'll have two people having a conversation and they'll be talking to each other. And then one person will kind of start a monologue uh-huh. and the camera will cut away from that scene uh-huh. and just have them talking over things. And like sometimes it'll wrap back around to the actual conversation and other times it'll just move off to other things. So it's like he's mixing you know, in movie conversations with his voiceovers and the, the transition is seamless. It's, mm-hmm. it's phenomenal. Honestly, though, all of the sound design in that movie is genius. Oh yeah. And yeah, for me, the themes. Yeah. And just the story amazing. of it is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And the, the way that he manages to take a very specific story and, and make it so universal. It's, mm-hmm. it's really something special. Yeah. So expect to see that on my year end list for sure. Oh Yeah. Yeah. And that was literally the only movie we watched this week. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, I I didn't do as well as I normally do, but I feel like I can pick up the slack. Um, So I watched Little Monsters, which... I don't know what that is. um, So it's a Hulu movie, and it's basically like... um, I can never know how to say her name. Lupita... Nyong'o. Yes. Um, She's like a preschool teacher, and they go on a field trip... And a zombie apocalypse happens. And so it's, like, about her and this guy trying to keep them oblivious to what's happening. It was really fun. Like, right. I wouldn't say it's, like, the best movie I've ever seen, but it was really fun. I feel like it was... I love zombies. It was, like, an hour and a half. I feel like it was totally worth the time. Huh? All right. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, you love zombie movies, so I feel like you'd yeah, like I'd it. Yeah, I'd love it, probably. Um, and then I watched Marriage Story, which <sighs> was so good and so heartbreaking. How much and did you cry? I actually only teared up a little bit at the end really? when he was reading her letter and then when she oh, tied yeah. his shoe. 
Yeah. Um, that was really But, like, sweet. the one part that just, like, really stuck with me was when he went over. Oh, like, we're spoiling marriage story right here. Not really. No, okay. Okay. No. <laughs> um, when he went over to go help close the gate, and it's, like, both of them, and then it just, like, switches, like, three different shots of them yeah. just looking at each other. Oh, amazing. Very good. Yeah, and I just, I love Adam Driver. And I saw Uncut Gems. Mm. I loved it so much. Break the tie. Okay, good. I loved it. <laughs> good, good. Like, I can definitely see where it kind of dragged in the middle. I feel like it could have done without some sequences, like, specifically, like, the weekend sequence. Ah, I thought that was so awesome. It was really good, but in the end, I was kind of like, I don't really feel like it did anything to the final result of the movie. Yeah. But I guess that's kind of like, like, it just kind of felt like it was exhausting, but I guess that's kind of what they do. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, from the get-go, like, I just felt so overwhelmed. And I think, so the first, I've only seen Good Time once. I didn't like it very much. <sighs> I think because I didn't know what I was in for. I think if I were to watch it again, I would like it much more. You're more than welcome to take it. <laughs> I liked Good Time way more the second time. Yeah, I'm sure I will. Because I just, I, like, I heard about it and i heard it was really good i watched it and i just i didn't know anything about like the style or anything good time is like very steadily rising in my ranks of favorite movies Uh of the decade honestly like it it just made me very uncomfortable and i know that's what they were going for sure and they are very good at that um but yeah uncut gems was so good i loved it um and then i watched a single man um is that the coen brothers one no it's um that's a serious man yeah serious man is great though i highly recommend that one um it's tom ford like the designer um uh it's got colin firth in it and And he's gay right yeah yeah he's like kind of mourning the loss of his um partner who died like eight months beforehand. It's really good. I mean, like, I wouldn't say it's like the best movie I've ever seen, but I think it's very good on the acting side, especially okay. Colin Firth. And that is all that I've seen. Colin Firth is in a lot of movies that are okay, except for the acting. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Most notably, The King's Speech. I still think that one's pretty good. It's a I, fine movie. I don't remember too much of it, but it is, he is very good in that. And yeah, and right. I watched a five-minute Instagram story of Florence Pugh making ice cream. <laughs> so, highly recommend that one. Well worth your time. It will be gone by the time this episode is out. But... It's true. Um, all right, folks. Let's do a little bit of housekeeping. What are the next few weeks going to look like? Next week, um, we are going to do a Best Picture movie. We haven't decided which one yet, but something that has won Best Picture in the last 20 years, we're going to cover next week uh, in our lead-up to year-end coverage. The week following that will be our year-end review. Um, We will be talking about our collective top 10 movies as a podcast um, and what makes them such. Uh, The rating system will be as follows. Each of us will rank our top 10 movies. Uh, Your number one movie gets 10 points. Your number 10 movie gets one point. We add up all of the points and then order them, and that's how we decide our top 10 movies as a podcast. Uh, We also have bonus categories, uh, which will be like our own little mini Oscars, if you will. Uh, The awards that we find most interesting, um, as well as things that we think should be awards. Um, Yeah, we'll have... I, I still think that there should be like a best sequence award. 
Um, so that'll be included. We're going to have best performance overall. Um, production design, we'll talk about. Uh, biggest letdown, biggest surprise, those kind of things. The week following that will be our coverage of the Oscar nominations. Those will get announced the very same day that this episode airs. But we do want our predictions and things to uh, come out the Monday before the Oscars. So February 3rd will be when our Oscar predictions will come out and the Oscars will air on February 9th. So that's that. That's what the next few weeks are going to look like. We're excited for it. We hope you guys are excited for it. Um, Anything else? I think that's everything. Great. Well, then we thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Andrew. I'm Becca. I'm Sid. And we'll hold up backwards. If you want to get in touch with us, <laughs> you can do so at contact at wewatchpodcast.com or you can slide into the DMs, facebook.com slash wewatchpodcast, Instagram at wewatchpodcast, Twitter at wewatchpodcast, all those things. Slide into the DMs, send us an email, let us know what you thought about 1917 um, or any other movies this year. We'd be curious to hear your thoughts. Um, but now we thank you. We love you. My name is Andrew. And I'm Becca. I'm still Sid. And we'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Bye.